Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Please like and subscribe. Hello, Shola. Shola, I was just saying before we start recording... When the the Megan Harry documentary was going to drop, I was like, "We have to have Shola. No one else will do. You are the be- the best commentator in these issues that the country." I has. don't know about that. There, there are actually a great number of people who are talking so much sense out there. God bless them. <laughs> no, but I think I not to besmirch them, but you're better than them. So Shola, let's start. Nicholas Ritchell said. What I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what, what the pretense of BBC impartiality where that's gone. Um, Nicholas Witchell said, and in fact, I think we'll roll the clip, we'll intersperse it after I've spoken to you. Nicholas Witch said the allegations were absurd. What amounts really to a conspiracy between the palace and the press, and that I think is where credibility is really stretched beyond what is reasonable. Consider one of the things that Meghan said. No matter what I did, they were still going to find a way to destroy me. Well, the first point, who is the they that she's referring to? I think it is the palace, but most particularly it is to the press. But the idea that anyone was out to destroy her, frankly, I think is absurd and simply does not stand up to proper and reasonable scrutiny. But they quite obviously are convinced that they were victims. Well, the only absurd thing here is Nicholas Witchell. I mean, every time he opens his mouth, he, he epitomizes every single thing that Harry and Meghan say about the press. And quite frankly, about the relationship that royal correspondents have um, with the royal family and how they are an extension, like a PR extension of them. Look, I think that anybody watching that documentary, anybody with an open mind watching the documentary will see a couple who have, who are literally just sharing, opening up their, I suppose, opening up their world and saying, come on in. Look, this is how we met. This is what's going on. These are the decisions we had to make because of ABC. I love the way the documentary um placed their their relationship within the current context, societal context, cultural context, political context, or whether that was Brexit, the whole thing, dynamics with the Commonwealth, people helping people to understand that whole dynamics between the royal family as an institution and its relationship with racism. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> and the structural racism, structural inequality. And that's why words around uh, the Commonwealth and educating people on that was really powerful by, you know, David Olusoga, Afa Hirsch, Kenya Andrews, and Miss Anne Harriman. So it's really, really good that they did that. And also that, you know, drawing that link to, um, to Brexit, i.e. the current discourse of the day when Prince Harry decides to go get married to a biracial woman was just around the time when we had reached peak, you know, dynamic racism in our country where people were taking off all their pretense and going, no, 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 in the name of 
queen and country. We can't let all of these people come in from these countries and they call the patriotism, which it wasn't. So I think it was really important to, to have that conversation. And all of these royal correspondents that want to deny because they want to defend the indefensible, again, all they're doing is validating what Harry and Meghan said. So in terms of this documentary, in terms of the treatment of Meghan Markle, for those, there are still those in this country, let's be honest, in denial about her treatment, about the way the media and the royal family have treated her. So for you, based on this documentary, what is the killer stuff that's come out about the way her treatment was and is founded in racism? I think that what they've done here is they're, it's almost like they're, they're, they're building blocks. They're preparing us for more because I think that the next three episodes will expand on that race element and how that shaped um, Megan's whole experience with the royal family, the lack of protection, um, the lack of defense, the lack of the ability to be able to even defend herself, and how that impacted her mental health. So I think we'll probably see that down the line. But it is so important, you know, in having someone like her mother, Doria, speak for the first time. Yay, fantastic. And Doria said, it was race. And then she told Megan, look, this is all about race. And, and Megan, because of her experience, or should I say lack thereof, of racism that darker-skinned Black people experience, she's like, well, hold up a second. Why? I mean, I think Megan herself is probably thinking and naively that, you know, we're in the 21st century. She's an independent, educated, articulate, you know, young woman, like many other women from different races. And, you know, we're all meant to be in a progressive society. Mm. How can this institution, how can this country be regressive? Mm. I don't think Megan did her homework, but like she said, she all of a, a lot of the things that, that happened to her she was in shock about, right? And I'm not talking about things like curtsying to the queen. I mean, I, I don't blame her. You, nobody goes around curtsying to anybody else. So properly curtsying and think, doing things like that are things that you 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 either YouTube, Google, or somebody teaches you how to do it. That is not the, that wasn't the problem. The, the, the problem here was because of her experience and because of what I call the royal family's, um, royal family's depraved indifference to the racist coverage she had, this definitely opened her up to more racism. Because by doing their usual stiff upper lip after allowing some of this, a lot of this racist coverage to go on, it meant that Megan could not even protect herself. I mean, look at that. Uh, an example is the story um, about uh, Megan making Kate cry. Of course, using the black, ang the angry black woman racist trope about Megan. Right. And when Megan then comes out during the Oprah interview to say, I didn't make Kate cry. Kate made me cry. And in all of that, she was not able to come out and say, that's not true. I didn't do that to Kate. And mm -hmm. Kate didn't come out to say, oh, hold up, people. Actually, I am the one that made Megan cry. So all, all the royal family did with their treatment was amplify the toxicity of the of the inequality, the oppression, the harassment, the racism, the sexism, the bigotry that she was experiencing. That right there was just downright racist. So one of the arguments Prince Harry made was that he would say, look at how she's being treated. And then they would say, well, look, others have had to go through this too. And his point in response was, but this is different because there's a race element and the monarchy did not understand that. 
So what does that tell us about the institution of monarchy that when it comes to basically they didn't understand the significance of racist treatment rather than, say, standard, you know, newspapers and, and paps or whatever running after you? OK, I think you'd be very kind, Owen, when you said you didn't understand. I think they understood perfectly. I think they knew exactly what was going on. After all, they have eyes to see, ears to hear. They also understood the impact of it. What they did not want to do different is make her special because of the special mistreatment she was getting. And, and I think um, James O'Brien hit the nail on the head um, on one of his monologues. There was envy. And I think that that comes into it as well. Um, and I think we saw a lot more of that envy after they got married. It makes no sense to me. And I said this during one of my, I would, I would not say heated, I would say passionate. Um, You're always passionate, never heated. <laughs> and when I said, listen, I do not understand how the queen as a grandmother, right? As a grandmother could not protect her grandson from the absolute racist, negative Coverage that was so unnecessary. They had enough power to do this, Owen. I know for a fact that they have enough power to do this because they, they, I mean, they have enough power to secure themselves exemptions from every other law that you and I will be found guilty of. You're telling me that they can't, they couldn't rein in the press and say, no, 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 that's wrong. You can't do that. You know, slow it down, stop this. I, I asked this of somebody else. Since Camilla got married to Charles, I personally, in all of the years, until maybe just recently, did not see a single negative coverage about her. I'm not talking about when Diana, before Diana's death or after Diana's death. I'm saying after they got married, Nilpa, nada, crickets. Don't tell me they don't have the power. They do. They just did not want to use it to protect her. So today's front pages, um, The Sun, Harry the Nasty, The Daily Express, so hurtful, Royals deeply upset by Harry's slurs, Daily Mail, Palace Angret, the salt on the Queen's legacy, Daily Telegraph, Sussex's TV show claims are a direct hit on late Queen's legacy. What does that, given, let's place that in the critique of their, sorry, put that in the context of their critique of the British media, what's yeah. your take on the response of the British media, given they're not bystanders in this who are just impartial observers. They're actually in the dock of this documentary. So given that, what do you say about the coverage? First of all. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To the British media... 
cry me a river. Okay. <laughs> I think what they are trying to do here, we know that they've got a vested interest in trying to deflect and distract the public. And they're doing it wonderfully, if I may say so, with their headlines. Not how they're not focusing on the, um, you know, on the points that Harry raised about exploitation and bribery within the media and the relationship between the media and the royal family. They're not focusing on that. What they've done is to reframe the narrative and make this all about the queen and her legacy. I'm like, oh no. And then I have to go, why do you people do this? I'm trying to be kind and nice and measured. And then you get me to come out here and have to shut you down. The queen is dead. Every single time. Is she? It's, I, don't, I don't think they know. Somebody needs to send them the memo. Sorry. Oh, wow. That's a real, it's a big revelation to throw into this show. <laughs> Every single time is, but the queen just died. She's still dead. 10 years from now, but the queen, she's still dead. And you know, wherever she is, she's not queen anymore. Death is a leveler. <laughs> so please, let's just, I, I think the media is definitely trying to pull at people's, you know, the, their heartstrings and pull at um, the deference and um, affection they had for the queen. There is nothing Harry said that in any way bashes his grandmother's legacy. If anything, what he was doing is the right thing to do. He's part of that family. And he's saying that it is his duty. <laughs> it is his duty to call out when something is wrong. I mean, why would you want anyone to be silent? He, look, if Harry said nothing, he would be benefiting from the very system that you and I know, quite frankly, is not working. And it benefits the few, you know, to the detriment of the many. So I think people, look, he is doing nothing wrong against the Queen. Mm -hmm. But you know what? If that is what will get people out of their beds, um, get them out of their comfort zone, get them to engage in, you know, social discourse about the relevance of the royal family, about actually the intricacies of power, the imbalance of it, then, hey, I, I don't care. Let's do this. Let's have this conversation because yeah. <laughs> Shala is ready. But I'm not going to sit back and be tolerating the, the deflection and the distraction as though one is stupid. People, I really want us to stop acting stupid. This is why it was so good when they did that connection between the, um, you know, how Brexit mm -hmm. and the, you know, the environment of Brexit created that extra layer of toxicity for a biracial woman entering into an all-white family that has a very special close relationship with racist structures. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just, just finally, just basically just jumping off from, from that, really. What impact do you think this is going to have long-term on the future of the monarchy? Bearing in mind that if you look at polling amongst younger people and people of colour, and actually there's an overlap there because increasingly young people are more diverse than previous generations, they're more likely to be less sympathetic to the monarchy as an institution and more sympathetic to Meghan and Harry. So I'm just interested there. But linked to that, I was interested. I saw another journalist ask this. Do you think Prince Harry's become a Republican? Like, do you actually think he thinks the monarchy? I don't know what you think. I mean, like, we're just, you know, looking into people's souls here. And yeah, I don't think I don't think Harry is a Republican. I I don't think so. I I don't think there's anything he said that remotely suggests that. Um, I, I think that he's using his own personal experience um, mm -hmm. to call out inconsistencies. Um, and I think because 
He's married to a biracial woman. He's, he's been forced out of his bubble of privilege, um, his bubble of white privilege, his bubble of class privilege, his bubble of wealth privilege, his bubble of royal privilege, his bubble of male privilege. Oh my God. He was all wrapped up. <laughs> Nothing could touch this boy, right? Until stuff started to happen to somebody he loved. And for the first time in his entire life, aside from what he saw with his mother, he was able to connect all of the dots and realize, oh my God, I'm part of something that is part of the problem. But maybe I can be part of the solution. Now, what long, in, well, what long-standing impact could this have for the royal family? I think that, I think the impact will be more on reputation, because the less the royal family engages with current social discourse on racial justice, social justice, on equality, on all of its you know levels then the less relevant it will be. And I think that is what it needs to avoid because honestly, the only good thing the royal family has been good at is survival. Yeah. And I think in the 21st century, if they need to survive, it cannot be what the queen did for 70 years. Nobody's going to tolerate that. Nobody needs anybody who is quiet, doing their own thing, shaking hands, sitting on the throne. You're irrelevant. You're, you, that, that, you, don't, you don't add anything to the table. Um, so they're going to have to do something drastic to be, when I say drastic, I don't mean bad. I mean drastic in sense of radical, something that they've never done before in their hundreds of years of existence as, a, as an institution that makes them more relatable and resonates with current, with, with society. That makes, it, well, that will make it possible for people to look at them the way they look at Harry and Meghan. Harry and Meghan are relatable the way they looked at Princess Diana. Diana was relatable. You could, I'm telling you, look, you could be seated in Brazil watching Diana in New York and you could feel the warmth exuding from the woman. Not once did I ever feel that coming from the queen as an example. And right now, a lot of people look at William and Kate and they just see performance. They see performative um, uh, courtship. I'm not, and I'm not talking about between them, i.e. the way they court the public. They see performative um, appearances. I mean, look at the, the Earthshot Prize, right? Which I think the ethos of it is fantastic. Let's celebrate those who are making a real difference, innovative difference to our climate and our environment. But it made no sense to me that the very people you're meant to be celebrating, the very people you ought to be raising high, were not invited, they, they were not present at the ceremony in Boston. But you could fly in, or all of these celebrities and high profiles could come in when the most important people could not be present. That makes no sense to me. And then using things like, oh, to reduce carbon footprint. Well, why need you tell Beckham to sit his ass down in Qatar and participate from there by Zoom? I, you know, it makes no sense. So that's why, you know, right now the royal family continues to come across as performative, as though they, their heart isn't in it. And it feels to me like they're riding on Queen Elizabeth's, I don't know, wings. But you know what? As I said, she's passed away. And right now, the wings are no longer there. What you have is like the fumes from her exhaust pipe. And those fumes are going to be disappearing soon. So they need to create a new kind of relationship with the public. And it has to be one that makes them relatable. But people, nothing can reform 
racism, you have to cut it out. Nothing can reform white supremacy. You need to eradicate it. Nothing can, you know, reform the very things that, that make the British monarchy what it is, the way it's uh, wealthy, powerful. The very things that make them all of that are the things that we stand against. So I don't know. They're going to have to think outside the box on this one. Dr. Shola, a tour de force, as I would expect. Absolutely riveting stuff, as always. Do get Dr. Shola's book, by the way, which, if you're watching this, is behind her. It's This Is Why I Resist. There it is. So do make sure you get a copy. And also, obviously, follow Dr. Shola on social media. Um, and also, lots of TV shows, like The Jamie Vine Show, which I also, as many of you know, appear on. Dr. Shola, thank you so, so much. Do like and subscribe. Um, and we will be hearing lots more from Shola across many different platforms in the coming weeks, I'm sure. Lots of love, Shola. Thank you.